Radio Drome. It's another episode of Radio Drome, and we're almost at episode 100. Mr. Jones is actually here, since so many fans seem to complain when he misses one. Right, Jones? <laughs> yep, I'm here. And then I do need to point out that Brian is, has not left the show, but he will be taking a small hiatus, just because his work schedule is just insane right now. So, at Brad's suggestion, Suede Alex is going to be taking Brian's place. Hello. Welcome, not Brian. I'm glad to be here. Brad, I think we should actually start calling him not Brian. <laughs> or uh, didn't we? Uh, yeah, instead of uh, you're filling in for not Jared. <laughs> yeah, there we go. Hey, hey there, not Brian filling in for not Jared. Go to adamandeve.com. Use the promo code DROME. Alex, finish it. Use the promo code DROME. You get 50% off a single item, free shipping in the United States, three free DVDs, and a mystery gift. See how well we've trained him already, Brad? Exactly. Especially because <laughs> you didn't know it if I'd have asked you. <laughs> All right, now this will be the last episode before our 100th. Let's talk about something that most people take for granted when it comes to movies. Brad, you being, well, younger than me, but from the same general generation, and Alex, you being the youngest of us, do you guys remember the age when a TV movie was not a joke? When TV movies were relevant and and the 70s, some damn fine ones, Brad. So you're talking more like network TV movies? Yes, yeah, I'm talking network. Well, because cable didn't really exist in the 70s, so. Yeah, network TV, because uh, there's there's plenty of good modern-day cable TV movies, especially when you get into, like, HBO and stuff like that. But, oh, yeah, I I certainly remember that, uh, the, the old network TV movies, the movie of the week, the, the million-dollar movie. Oh, and one of the famous guys behind those was Dan Curtis, creator of uh-huh. Dark Shadows. He made so many of those that were legit creepy movies, too, because he, yeah. he tended to dabble in horror. So, Alex, you being younger, do you remember the TV movie I Was Being a Joke or TV movies actually being relevant at one point to you? I remember them being relevant, especially um, the long miniseries ones. Definitely the like, miniseries. Like the Stephen King ones. Mm-hmm. Do you guys remember Thornbirds or, or or that that really controversial one from '86? I think America with a K. <laughs> yeah, I remember that. You remember America, that 14-hour TV movie? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't remember that one. I did catch the Thornbirds, not when it aired though. I watched it later on video. Man, when you get into like 14 parts, that's more like less of a less of a mini series and more like a TV series that didn't get picked up for full season. <laughs> well, and, and those things used to have budgets too. I mean, and, and technically they stretched them a lot more. Say, I think Star, Star Trek, the motion picture in 79 was a $26 million budget, which for at the time was a large budget. America is making 14 hours of programming on that same budget. Is yeah. that giving them a big budget or forcing them to stretch a movie budget? 90 minutes of programming, 14 hours of programming. Because <laughs> I remember that, that one had Robert Urich and a, a really young Lara Flynn Boyle in it and Chris Christopherson as the leader of the resistance to retake America nonviolently from the, from the Russian invasion. Or how about even how pilots for series would be TV movies? Oh, I remember that a lot. Like, if a pilot wasn't picked up, they, they would release that pilot just as a TV movie on, like, a Saturday afternoon or something. 
Yeah. No, 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 not just that. What Brad's talking about, a lot of times, especially if it was a sci-fi premise where it was going to be more expensive, mm-hmm. they wouldn't greenlight a series. They would just make a TV movie with an open ending. And then if the TV movie got great ratings, then they would pick up the regular one-hour versions. Unless I screwed that up, Brad, that's what you were talking about, right? When the TV movie just happened yeah. first? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like uh, the pilot for Miami Vice, the pilot for Manimal, the pirate pilot for like TJ Hooker, stuff like that. Even even those are have their own separate pages even on like IMDb. Well, it's because in a lot of those cases, those were released theatrically in Europe. Mm-hmm. Because I remember like the Buck Rogers one, which has a totally different ending than the TV pilot one. Battlestar yeah. Galactica, which was three hours long on TV, edited down to 90 minutes for release in Europe. So in a lot of cases, those were released theatrically, just not here. That Battlestar Galactica pilot so many times just aired like as a movie that I didn't know for years that it was a whole show. <laughs> well, even um, the the upgrade, the newer Battlestar Galactica series started out as a three-part miniseries and then got picked up for a full series. Right, and I remember that because I remember there's a huge plot twist at the end of that miniseries, and we didn't know if we were going to get resolution to that at that point. Yeah. <laughs> so I remember that kind of, okay, huge plot twist. Are we ever going to see the fallout from this? I don't know. How much, because I watched, uh, I watched all of Galactica after it had ended, the, the newer one, the, the sci-fi channel one. How long after that miniseries did the first season start? Six, eight months, something like that. Was it? Was it? Yeah, because okay. I, I don't think they went into production on 33, which was the first regular episode, until they had already seen the ratings for the miniseries. So it would have taken them a while to... And I would assume that that they kept everybody under contract just in case, Mm -hmm. you know, all the actors. Because that's another big thing with, like, what Brad was talking about, how there would be a TV movie first and then a series. You don't know how many times in the 70s and 80s you'll see the TV movie slash two-hour pilot, and half the cast is different when it goes to series. because (laughs) Because they wouldn't... They wouldn't put the cast under contract especially if you had some bigger actors on the cast in the in the tv movie version you know you're not going to be able to lock them down from going to movies or other guest spots so in a lot of times you'll have a major character played by like you brought up tj hooker darren mcgavin's the captain in the pilot of tj hooker he never appears again in the in the series but his character continues to played by a different actor oh they're even shot differently too they're shot like they're shot little higher of a budget and they're shot more like a movie you know they're lit like they're lit like a movie and they're they're edited they're, like a movie they're edited like a movie exactly and then like what alex started talking about was nowadays when there's it's not so much when it's an hour-long pilot but if there's a two-hour-long pilot that doesn't get picked up you'll see a lot of those released as tv movies there's there's quite a few that You'll just be watching what seems like a goofy TV movie, maybe starring Andrew McCarthy or something like that, and then it just ends on a huge cliffhanger, and the credits come up, and you go, "What the hell?" And, and then you find, <laughs> and then you find out this was a pilot that didn't get picked up, but they're trying to recoup some of their money, so they just sold it into syndication. Am I right, Alex? Is that what you were referring to? Yeah, and sometimes it's not even a cliffhanger as much as a, you could tell this was the first episode of a series because now that these characters know each other, they're at this place. Let's oh, yeah, go. When, when the entire plot is setting everything up and then nothing yeah. happens. Uh, the one I think that sums it up perfectly, and I don't know if you've seen this one, Brad, it has, has two different titles. The airing title and the video title are different. Bloodsuckers slash The Vampire Wars. Mm-hmm. Yes, I saw that one. Do you remember that one, Brad? With, no, uh, I, I, I didn't see that. 
it, it was space vampires. Michael Ironside is the evil vampire, and Joe Londo from Dr. Quinn Medicine Woman is the hero, ostensibly. And it was so clear that this was a pilot because uh, probably 80 of the 90 minutes are spent setting up the universe, and then it yeah. doesn't go anywhere. Or how about that that failed pilot for uh, that Manchester Prep? Was that it? The one that was uh, supposed to be a TV series version of Cruel Intentions that didn't go to series, so they packaged it as Cruel Intentions 2, and it's just a really <laughs> crappy remake of the first movie. Technically, no, because that actually was picked up by Fox. That wasn't a pilot. That was three one-hour episodes. I, I actually have bootlegs of the three out Oh, I know, versions. I know. I know, so, it was, I know it was. I know it was condensed. I know it was condensed down, but it didn't. It didn't continue on as a series, and it got repackaged as Cruel Intentions 2. Right. I think wasn't that canceled after the third episode prior to airing because of the controversy around just all the sex stuff in the in the nineties. Really? So I, think, uh, I, I seem to remember reading something about that, that it was it was repackaged like that. It was terrible. Oh, like I said, I've seen the hour-long versions. There's more footage that I've seen. It's just more, <laughs> it's just more terrible I've sat through. Oh, man. No, I only saw the, uh, the Cruel Intentions 2 version. Yeah, that's the one I saw, too. Well, and then sometimes you have TV movies or, more importantly, video movies that are just two episodes of a TV show edited together. Brad, I know you'll recognize the Miami Vice. Almost every one of their two-parters was released on VHS as Miami Vice 2, Miami Vice 3, Miami Vice 4, and it's just mm-hmm. all of their two-part episodes edited into one. Oh, yeah, like when they did that for uh, uh, the video for video releases of uh, The Master under the title Master Ninja. With Bruce Lee on the cover. I have both those VHS releases, Brad, and they've got Bruce Lee on the cover. Not only was he dead years before they shot the series, he had nothing to do with it. I don't know why Bruce Lee is on the VHS cover. That's fantastic. And they have that really, really bad like opening credit sequence that isn't the opening credit sequence from the show. It's that Film Ventures type opening credit sequence, the same company that put out Pod People and Cave Dwellers. So it's they put together their own opening credit sequence for it. And my, my VHS of the first one, which has got that young Demi Moore appearance, it's got a yeah, it's got a then modern like 1993 photo of Demi Moore on the cover, and it's like she looks nothing like this in the episode. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he's, he's like 12 years old in this. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like not only do you have Bruce Lee on the cover when he had nothing to do with it, you got Demi Moore on the cover looking nothing like she does in the show. Way to missell this, guys. I love it when it's on Mystery Science Theater as well because it gets into the second part of that, and they're just and they're just like something tells me that this is just two episodes strung together. I, I, yeah. One of the jokes I loved about that was, and referring back to the previous episode, I mean, thirty minutes ago. There's another one that was um like that that they did on mystery science theater that writing with death yeah which was clearly just two completely different episodes smashed together as one movie (laughs) and see at least the one that i can think of that actually tried to do it right when they did that kind of thing was kolchak the night stalker they released two tv movies and you remember that one other than the initial two tv movies that were the two pilots technically Mm -hmm. they just took two unrelated episodes of the series and edited them together but they went the extra step of rehiring Darren McGavin to record a new intro, outro, and voiceovers to make it seem like the two cases he's investigating were connected. Yeah. So in that way, those two episodes seem like an actual TV movie when you're watching them. 
So they at least went the extra effort to get Darren McGavin to do new wraparounds, basically. Now and nowadays too. I mean, I remember getting really frustrated. Um, there was a show that I was really looking forward to because I heard it was in production. I saw that they made the pilot. It was after uh, Deadwood had been out. And the next series that David Milch was putting together for HBO was, and I, I can't remember the name of it. Gone but from Cincinnati, that one, the, not, the Surf no, Alien one? No, 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 no. It was, uh, was going to be a 70s cop show. Oh, and that I think it, so awesome. Yeah, yeah, and I, it had Ray Winstone in it, I believe. It, it was a 70s cop show. I can't remember the name of it, but they shot the pilot. They shot the pilot for it, and it it didn't get picked up. It, the, the show the show didn't the show didn't get picked up. But I've never even been able to come across even the pilot for that thing, and I really wanted I really want to check that out. That was a show I was looking forward to. Well, the uh, Showtime did that. It wasn't David Milch. I actually think it might be Stephen Bochco. He created yeah. one in the late '90s called Hate. It was about the the New York City hate crimes unit. It, it it was just shown on Showtime. You know, you had no indication that this was anything other than than just a regular movie you'd never heard of then when you see like steven botch go and then it ends on a cliffhanger and you're like this was a goddamn pilot wasn't it and the yeah it was a damn good pilot too hate mm-hmm. was a good pilot i would have liked to have seen that picked up but isn't that like um that monsters reboot that's been talked about lately isn't that just been downgraded to tv movie instead of full series i believe they re-edited that for a tv movie to not leave as many open endings I believe because I couldn't make it more than a half hour through that train wreck. What about you guys? No, I, 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 I didn't see that. that. I didn't know. I didn't know it was finished. I didn't I see it. Was like two or three days before Halloween, I got a half hour in and just said, "No, I'm not doing this. This is not the Munsters. Grandpa Munsters not a psychotic that looks at every human as a meal and it's constantly trying to murder people for fun. That's not Grandpa Munster. I'm not doing this. No, I didn't. What Mockingbird Lane? That's what it was called. Oh, that's what the TV version was called. I know I, I I didn't I didn't see that. How out of curiosity, how did that do? I it's I think it did okay, but not enough for them to pick it up as a series. Oh, okay. Because I think the pilot cost something like 18 million dollars and for a pilot like that, there's no way they'd be able to duplicate that. I mean, I remember you remember when Dark Angels TV movie slash pilot aired, that was the most expensive TV pilot of all time and I think 20 million 21 million dollars something like that and i remember that being an exorbitant budget but in that you could see where it all went Mm. you know making a post-apocalyptic production design is not cheap even shooting in canada that costs money you need that apparently that mockingbird lane was directed by brian singer though yeah yeah he wrote it as well yeah it had jerry o'connell in it and eddie izzard as grandpa munster Mm -hmm. jerry o'connell was herman because yeah because when i think of herman munster i think of a male model with just an autopsy scar because that's all he was i uh, i saw that in the trailer for (laughs) i'm like it's a gq model with an autopsy scar that's not herman munster i'm sorry Just like Herman Munster, Fred Gwynn was the original male model. <laughs> now, the the only one of those casting decisions I thought was all right was Portia de Rossi. I actually bought her. Mm-hmm. I, you know, she actually didn't seem to be miscast. And Eddie Izzard, I got nothing against him. Just I think he was totally wrong for Grandpa Munster. Just an mm-hmm. absolute miscasting job in that part. That's unfortunate. I do like Eddie Izzard. I just think he was totally like I I loved him in The Riches. Remember that FX series? Yeah, I remember the riches. I thought he, I thought he was really good in that, or, or the the day of the Triffids remake, that that mm-hmm. miniseries that can't remember if that even did that even air here, Sci-Fi Channel maybe. I know it was a British know. miniseries. Can't remember nah. if that day of the Triffids remake ever 
ever made it over here or not. But TV movies used to be scary. They used to uh-huh. have like like I personally think the movie's a piece of shit, but everyone seems to love Spielberg's Duel. Duel's awesome. I, I like I Duel. Hate that movie. Ugh. Dude, you know what? I had a really good. I had a really really awesome week because of uh, election night the other day. So I'm not gonna let your cynicism bum me down. <laughs> No, I had a That's friend. That's good. In, That's good of you, Brad. I had a friend in high school who was gave me this copy of Duel and was like, "This is the worst movie ever. It's just a guy in a car for two hours." And That's I watched it. I'm like, "This movie's awesome." Duel, ah. Duel, Duel. Right. Well, all right. What was what's wrong with Duel? Why was it racist? <laughs> I didn't think it was racist. I thought it was <laughs> That's boring. It was so boring. And there were so many different times that Dennis Weaver, McLeod, sorry, there's so many different times that McLeod could have gotten out of that situation far easier. But the script by Richard Matheson, a writer I really like, and Richard Matheson admitted he needed to make the characters basically make bad decisions or there would be no movie. Cause even he admitted in a later interview in the nineties that, you know, one phone call, one correct phone call and the movie's over. It just, the, char- the character made so many, st- every decision he made was the dumbest possible decision out of all the multiple choices. Still thought it was a suspenseful movie. No, it, it, it I didn't like it. Now, speaking of Spielberg though, I loved the night gallery pilot movie. Oh, yeah, he did the Joan Crawford one, didn't he? Yeah, I, uh, I, I or something like that, yeah. And like that, I, I absolutely loved that. I, mm. I thought the, the pilot movie for that was just amazing. They, me too. That was, I, I, I did really. And the, the, was, was the first one the one with the Roddy McDowell with the, with the painting? Oh, it's been quite a long time. It was either that one or the one with the vampire, neo, the vampire Nazis. I think that was the third part. Okay. Uh, I think that was the third part, and the first one was that Rod- Roddy McDowell had like a uh, a really really wealthy uncle who I believe McDowell had like knocked off or something like that, but he was like haunting him through a through a painting. That that was that was good too. And you saw that for a lot of anthology series, a lot of anthology series. Hell, sometimes anthology movies are just episodes of the series crammed together. Did you guys ever see Tales from the Crypt the movie? It was the first three episodes of Tales from the Crypt that, for whatever reason, were edited together and mm-hmm. sold to HBO. So every now and then you'd see that as Tales from the Crypt, the movie. And I don't mean the 70s movie, which is a totally different film. But John Carpenter's Body Bags was supposed to be a TV show. Yeah, yeah. Th- that was a pilot that didn't get picked up, so they just made that. Well, and with, with episodes put into a movie, they also did that with uh, Heathcliff, the movie. I don't think I've ever actually seen that. I, I, loved, the, I loved the show. I never saw that. Possibly because Tom and Jerry the movie raped my childhood worse than George Lucas ever could have hoped to. Oh, Tom and Jerry the movie didn't do anything to my childhood. I didn't even like the show. I, I, I grew up watching Tom and Jerry. Now that's hey. racist, Brad. <laughs> <There's some> racism <laughs> in that. Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. The <laughs> owner and all that. Yeah. Now, do you want to talk racism? There, Tom and Jerry. <laughs> no, I wasn't a Tom. I wasn't a Tom and Jerry man. Not at all. And then TV movies started to become more of the movie of the week, like you pointed out, around the early 80s, the late 70s. They, they became just lower budget, usually TV stars or falling movie stars that would go to these things. My only problem, and Brad, I'm not de- debating the quality of the film because I love the film and I know you do too. But like, if you're going to tackle something like, like they did in The Deliberate Stranger – you can't really do that in a TV movie, can you? 
Oh, you mean like a okay, like you, you like serial killer film? Yeah, you know, because Harlan Ellison told this great story about he was writing one. You know, he knew it was a TV movie, so he wrote the script for TV acceptability, and they kept saying it's too violent, it's too violent. He's like, he killed like fourteen people. Yeah. How do you expect me to write the, all these people dying with no violence? They kept saying, well, we can't show anything. Then you don't do that as a TV movie then. Well, it's so funny how they still managed to make a really, really good movie, though. And it's because it's it's way better than the Ted Bundy movie that that actually is relatively pretty violent. That direct-to-video one. I I couldn't stand that movie. That it's just simply called Ted Bundy. He delivered Strangers spoiled me because that was Mark Harmon. Just he embodied that role. And that's not an insult to Mark Harmon saying he's like a serial killer. Mark Harmon was Ted Bundy in that. Yeah, oh, totally, totally, yeah. And, and way better than the direct-to-DVD one. I thought the guy in the direct-to-DVD one was fine. I, I honestly didn't have a problem with him. I, I thought he did fine. But The Deliberate Stranger was way better. <laughs> and, and I think The Deliberate Stranger, the reason that I think that one worked is it balanced. And, I mean, you had four hours to, to of time to play with. But mm-hmm. it balanced the difference between... Half of the movie was about Ted, and half was about the cops. Uh-huh. Direct-to-video one was about Ted. Yeah, the direct-to-video came in during that period there where it seemed like every month there was a direct-to-video movie about a serial killer, and the name of the movie is just the name of whoever the killer was. That um, Ted Bundy direct-to-video one, you're talking the one from, like, O2, right? Yeah, there was a couple. There was one, that, that one from O2, that just called Ted Bundy, and then there was another one from... It's maybe only a few years ago where Ted Bundy was played by the guy who played Parker Lewis. I don't think <laughs> I saw that one. <laughs> I don't one saw... of those. Yeah, that one I didn't see. Uh, Corin Nemec. That's it. Yeah, he 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 played Ted Bundy in it. Um, I I I saw. I honestly, I only saw the first few minutes of it. Like, I didn't stop watching because I was like, oh man, this sucks. Click. I I just had something to do. I he pops up. I'm like, I know this person. Parker Lewis can't lose. Oh, he's going to lose in this movie. I can think, and I saw most of those direct-to-video serial killer flicks at that time, and I remember the one that I actually liked was Dahmer. That one I Dahmer. thought was... Dahmer. I don't think I saw that one. I saw the Ed Gein one with Steve Rouse back as Ed Gein. And I Are didn't we talking the, the Dahmer one with Jeremy Renner as Dahmer? Yeah, where Jeremy Renner played Dahmer. I and liked Bruce, that one. Bruce Davison is his dad. Yeah, Bruce Davison. Did, yeah, Bruce. Bruce Davison played his dad. Oh, that one is great. I love that one. <laughs> that was really good. See, w- here's here's my problem with 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 the TV movies of the era we're talking about with with like the the Deliberate Stranger, mm-hmm. is they feel like TV movies. Like like we were talking about like with T.J. Hooker and stuff. They were shot more like a movie. By yeah. this point, the TV movie had become such an institution, they weren't shot like movies. For instance, Joe Bob Briggs pointed it out perfectly when he showed The Deliberate Stranger on Monster Vision. They said in a regular movie, you'd see the cops going up to the house to talk to the mom to deliver the news that they found her daughter. You'd see them get out of their car, and then you'd see them sitting in the living room. But not in Deliberate Stranger. You see them stop their car, each of them get out of their car, shut the car's doors, the entire walk up to the house, knock on the door, wait for her to come to the door – then tell her who they are, then go in, then have her make them coffee, and then have them sit down. And it's like you you could have got that entire two-minute scene done in 14 seconds in a, in a regular movie. And that was the thing. TV movies, they tended to drag out things 
that in a regular film would have been edited down for time. That's uh-huh. the biggest giveaway of a TV movie is the editing. A little bit. For me, it's more so because I can think of several TV movies where if you look at however many minutes of it, you can buy like, like, uh, like, okay, this is like a low budget movie. Maybe you might see it at the drive in or something like that. Uh, not in every case, but in some cases. For me, the giveaway, that period where it fades to black and then comes back where there was obviously a commercial break. Oh, yes, that. Yeah, you actually, yeah. you actually see that now and then in in movies that were originally obviously made as a TV movie, but but they skipped TV for whatever reason and went direct to video, and then all uh-huh. of a sudden you see a fade to black and you go, "Yep, this wasn't made for video, was it?" <laughs> yeah, because you could look at like uh, okay, uh, like like Satan School for Girls. You could look at a section of that movie and think like, oh, "This is like a drive-in movie. Maybe you'd see this at the drive-in or something like that." But then, yeah, again, it. <laughs> fades to black at several portions of the movie where you know clearly a commercial break was supposed to go and it's not it's not it's not even like a simple just like okay fade to black you know like the music kicks in like do 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 something like that you know and there's like just like a steady shot of a reaction shot of a person's face and then it fades to black which at least when you reviewed that you put in old vintage commercials which i i appreciated that oh yeah 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 and then TV movies kind of became the place for all the lurid because of the the low lead time on TV movies. That's where like the O.J. Simpson TV movie and the lo- all the Long Island <laughs> Lolita stuff, and that's where all the the kind of tabloid movies in the early '90s. That's where they went because it would take too long to market a theatrical movie. You can get a TV movie shot in three weeks and on TV in that fourth week. Yeah. So you can still strike while the iron was hot. So that's, I think, what brought down the TV movie was they started getting this reputation of just being the lurid tabloid garbage. Uh, or even that period where they were doing TV movies that were like, again, tabloid kind of gossip based on like old sitcoms, like behind the story of Mork and Mindy. Oh, the early 2000s. Yeah, they, they, those were all from like 03 to 05. They did all those. Yeah. Yeah, there was like a Brady Bunch one, and uh, was there a Partridge Family one? I think there was. The There was a Charlie's Angels one. The only reason I, I remember wanting to see that was Ben Browder from Farscape was Lee Majors. I kind of wanted to see. There was there was one that was, uh, maybe it wasn't necessarily just Partridge Family, but it was like the David Cassidy story. Okay, I yes, think. I saw the David Cassidy one. I didn't know if there was one about Partridge Family in particular, but I did see the David Cassidy one. Yeah, yeah, and I remember kind of checking some of that out because it had Malcolm McDowell in it. You also had, going off of network, you had the cable TV movies of the late 80s and early 90s where, and I think HBO and Showtime made a lot of really good calls. There was this small period, Brad, do you remember this, where Showtime was making sequels to already standing franchises as TV movies, such as like Psycho 4. Yeah, Birds 2, Psycho 4. Things yeah. like that. Those were Showtime originals. And then yeah. Fox followed suit in that weird way. Uh, Fox decided to make the last two Amityville films of the first franchise were Fox TV, Fox Night at the Movies, and uh, Omen 4 was a Fox Night at the Movies. They, for whatever reason, decided to start making sequel TV movies to already standing horror franchises for whatever reason Fox decided on. Smokey and the Bandit ones. <laughs> yeah, all those yeah. ones we didn't even know about. Yeah, I've still never seen those, and those were still Hal Needham too. Yeah, I never saw them either. <laughs> Brian Bloom as as the Bandit. I just 
okay, I got nothing against Brian Bloom, but to me, nobody is the bandit except Bert. Yeah. Bert is the bandit. I don't care who else tries, you're going to fail because you're not Bert. Yeah, 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 yeah. I agree. Revenge of the Nerds 4. That was a Fox TV movie as well. So was so 3. So was 3, because so, so oh, I remember Bert. watching 3 when it premiered. Me too. I, I watched it when it <laughs> premiered too and was really excited and then very sad. The only good thing about that is Morton Downey Jr. as the villain. <laughs> That's just <laughs> awesome. I remember being, because I'm like you, Alex. I, I did watch that when it premiered, and I and I, I remember being so confused when Gilbert showed up. <laughs> okay, it'd be one thing if you got somebody that looked a little bit like Anthony Edwards. Yeah. This guy looked. N- okay, you you worked with Hank Carlson. Didn't he look like Hank Carlson? Yeah, cross with like young hipster Ben Franklin. What the hell? <laughs> like. Yeah, I was like, okay, you didn't even try to cast that right. I mean, but I did, I, I did even appreciate that. Try. I did appreciate that they got the real Betty back, and they got Ted McKinley back, and they got a couple of the cast members back. I did appreciate that. And then the I fourth did one. Love, oh, oh, I watched the fourth one when it premiered too. It had that part in it that was in 3D. Boogers. Um, wedding or something yeah yeah it was nerds for nerds in love uh which is hilarious because timothy busfield is on the box cover for it but he's not in the movie <laughs> i've never seen that one on video i've only ever caught that on flipping channels on cable yeah yeah it, it, it's on video um and and with uh, with with nerds three it was hilarious because like you said they brought back julie montgomery as betty and it never really says anything about like them like maybe being broken up for a period or something like that. Like it doesn't say anything like they're just married in this movie, which means that Lewis totally cheated on her in the, <laughs> in the second in the, one. In the second one, well, even in the second one, at the beginning of uh, Nerds in Paradise, he's at the beginning when he's packing up all his stuff and he takes a picture of Betty with him. Maybe he's a player. Maybe, <laughs> Lewis, maybe Lewis was always a player. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I've always liked Robert Carradine. I love Robert Carradine. Uh, th- that's one thing. I, that's the only thing I look forward to in, in any new John Carpenter film. How is he going to kill Robert Carradine? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he pretty much does. He's got a he's got a bit part. You know, usually one day of shooting in every new John Carpenter film, and he always gets killed. So it's just like, how is John going to kill Robert Carradine this this week? <laughs> yeah. I don't know if he's got a he if he hates the kid or loves him. I don't know. <laughs> well, like uh, you brought up Deadwood before, Brad. They were promising since Deadwood got canceled on a pretty big cliffhanger at the end of season three. <laughs> yeah, it did. And and then they didn't pick it up for whatever stupid financial reason. They they promised that there would be three TV movies that would follow mm-hmm. the series, basically a six episode final season. And then that didn't happen. And I was really so pissed about that because I loved Deadwood. <laughs> Deadwood was great, and I was pissed about that, too. It didn't surprise me. Like, even when they were saying, like, oh, you know, new TV movies and whatnot, blah, 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 I was even skeptical about that. Because I remember they said the same thing about The Sopranos. Yeah, um, but, but, but that had an actual ending ending, more or less. More or less. <laughs> more so, I, I guess, more so than Deadwood did. But So I, I was even skeptical about the TV movie thing with with uh, with Deadwood, but I mean, even with that said, yeah, that 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 pisses me off that we never <laughs> that we never got that resolution. I don't know if I'm gonna come across like a pussy here, but I loved the Ellsworth character in Deadwood. I was so goddamn pissed when his character got offed. 
Mm-hmm. I was so mad at the series, I almost quit. <laughs> I, I was so pissed that I they killed almost, I didn't almost quit. I was I was bummed out when he got killed, sure, but I didn't I didn't almost quit. Because <laughs> I was so mad because his character was building to something so big, and then they kill him, which is a great plot twist. Uh huh. It's like, oh, you suck, you <laughs> suck, bitch. <laughs> See, you didn't expect it, did you? No, I didn't. <laughs> but then, but then, going back to TV movies, the obviously lower budget of a TV movie. I remember, Brad, I know you do, and Alex, I know you don't because we've discussed this before. You remember Spencer for Hire with, uh, or, or as Alex put it, you mean Avery Brooks was in that? Yeah. Yes, he was Alex. He was badass as Hawk too. Man well, called Hawk. I've got all those on tape from the original ABC airings, commercials included. Beautiful. I'll have to send you DVDs of those. Absolutely. They're worth it for just the commercials alone. Oh, hell yeah. Hell yeah, they are. Spencer for Hire lasted three seasons on ABC, and it was takes place in Boston and shot in Boston. Okay, fair enough. Years after it got canceled, they got Robert Urich and Avery Brooks back, and Lifetime bought the series for four TV movies. Mm-hmm. But they couldn't afford to shoot in Boston. So the four TV movies... Three of one of which takes place in Canada, so fair enough. Mm-hmm. The other three take place in Boston, and it's clearly Vancouver. Vancouver cannot double for Boston. I was just gonna ask if 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 yeah, if it was still supposed to be taking place in Boston. Yes, it was taking place in Boston, and it didn't. I mean, and it just that's the problem with the TV movies; they didn't look right. That yes, it's the same cast and the same continuity, but something is just off. Well, other than the look, Cooper's not Boston. Other than the look and everything, that it's clearly not Boston and all that. Were they any good other than that? Okay, you saw a lot of Canadian supporting cast. Yeah, because they're up, you know, because they have to have so many Canadians on the cast to get the tax credit. So other than that, yes, like Hawk was still badass as hell. Robert Urich was still always getting his ass bailed out by Avery Brooks. Uh-huh. Avery Brooks is the reason I watched the show. Let's be honest. Mm-hmm. But yeah, they actually did feel like they, other than you know, like the setting being slightly off, con- continuity-wise and story-wise, they felt like they were part of the series. Like it was a eight-episode fourth season almost. Nice. And then those awful movies with Joe Montana and Ernie Hudson as Hawk, those are unwatchable. You oh. want to talk bad TV movies? <laughs> I love Joe Montana, great actor. Oh yeah, he me too. Spencer. Mm, well, to I, just. I've never seen them, but just the thought of going from Avery Brooks to Ernie Hudson doesn't sound good at all. Another actor no. I like. I like Ernie Hudson. I like Ernie Hudson as well, but yeah, he that that did not work, not at all. How about even um, you know, you know, when when they really started losing me on in terms of TV movies is really in like the '90s, which is where a lot of stuff kind of lost me. I'm sure you'll agree with that. <laughs> I don't disagree. Uh, was when, you know, they started really working outside their means, meaning like, you know, the TV, the TV movies of the 70s and the ones of the 80s, you know, they, they, they knew what their, they certainly knew what their limitations were. I mean, you certainly had, you certainly had like event movies, event miniseries and stuff like that that were relatively big, but bigger budgeted than than a typical TV movie at the time, but they still they still looked good. They still worked within their capabilities. Their budget, they worked within their budget. They worked within their capabilities. And then in the 90s, you know, it almost turned into like just lower, like, like they were trying to be like 
big budget summer blockbusters, but on a TV budget, and they look like asylum movies. Oh, yeah, I know, I know. Exa- I know exactly what you're talking about. There was that era. I'm gonna. I'm gonna peg it like between '95 and '98 is where that really was. Really yeah, when you had like, stuff like The Lost Empire or movies like like that, or where there were those. There were those NBC like Gulliver's Travels with uh, Ted with Dan- Ted Danson with Ted oh, Dan- those horrendous green screen effects. Exactly, and like the the little tail bit there at the end of uh the langoliers you know <laughs> oh the 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 the, the langoliers terrible cgi but speaking of stephen king also that era you had his shining three-part miniseries yeah which, which i'm a huge fan of the novel but that sh- i hated that miniseries i didn't like it either i i i really didn't and i i li- i do like the novel i do i i i prefer stanley kubrick's version I, I prefer I prefer it over the novel, and I, I like the novel. I certainly prefer it over that miniseries. The miniseries, I thought Steven Weber was good. I thought Rebecca de Mornay was fine. That kid really kind of ruined a lot of it for me. <laughs> he was terrible. Well, and then we can't ignore what you guys just brought up, the whole Stephen King. He became the, no pun intended, king of the miniseries. Seems like everything that man wrote... ABC or NBC decided to turn it into a miniseries at some point. Yeah, or and, and he would just write like. miniseries. Yeah, and, <laughs> he and did and a some lot of them that. I, liked. I, I liked Kingdom Hospital. Yeah, yeah, some of them I liked. I, I, I did like some. I didn't care much. I didn't really care much for The Shining, but there, but there's some. But there, there's some I, I liked. Uh, when I was a kid, I liked it. As an adult, I don't care for it as much as I did when I was younger. But I certainly. <laughs> My wife and I caught it on Chiller a couple of months ago, and I just like. Man, I liked this when I was in high school. What the hell? Yeah, it's not that I think it's like bad or anything, but like it's it. <laughs> I liked it better when <laughs> I was younger. I'll, I'll I'll say that. The um, one that pissed me off was a Tommy Knockers. I loved the book. I thought that movie just screwed it up on every conceivable level. Was that a miniseries? Yeah, it was yeah. a well, yeah yeah a f- two two hour movies. It was a four hour miniseries. Okay, okay. I, I could I couldn't remember. It's been a it's been a long. I haven't seen Tommy Knockers since. I didn't watch Tommy Knockers when it was on TV. When it hit video, I, that's that's when I saw it. But no, what I'm talking about more with with, with you, you started to see the downgrading is like when Lifetime started oh, having lifetime. the lifetime tv movies mm-hmm. i mean just saying lifetime tv movie that's the butt of a joke right there i love yeah. watching lifetime tv movies because of just how over melodramatic they are with stuff oh oh you mean with brilliant titles like mother may i sleep with danger which is either the <laughs> which is either the best or worst title i can't decide which some of them they... had, some of them had some relief i mean they're yes horrible some of them had some like really fun kind of like gimmick casting with like zach morris as a rapist my wife was watching one the other day with rob lowe as a as a murdering cop that was uh that was the uh the scott peterson oh drew peterson drew peterson okay yeah my wife was watching that one the other day yeah dean kane played scott peterson Okay, sorry, I got my Petersons mixed up. Sorry. <laughs> there was one I watched. It was about like a teenage kid that beats his mom. And I don't I, think I saw that one. I can't remember what it was called, but it was so over the top. But everyone played it so serious. Well, and then that also brings up the other question of when you have a, a relatively serious topic that requires 
kind of an R rating. I saw one, I can't remember the exact title, it was like The Rape of Larry Driscoll or something, where Richard Crenna plays a sex crimes cop who ends up getting accosted in a bar and raped by two bikers and like the shame of male rape and stuff. And I'm like, very serious topic. And Richard Crenna, great actor. Uh, It was just handled on almost a lifetime TV movie kind of level where it wasn't taken seriously. Remember the made-for-TV sort of sequel, I guess, to Looking for Mr. Goodbar? I don't think I ever saw that sort of sequel. What was the title of that one? Track Down, The Search for the Good Bar Killer. <laughs> no, I don't remember that one. It's, all right, spo- have you guys seen Looking for Mr. Goodbar? Yeah, I've seen it. When I was a kid, I don't remember oh, shit, but... Okay, spo- I love the movie. I, I love the movie a lot. Spoiler alert, the movie ends with uh, Diane Keaton getting murdered by uh, Tom Berenger. And so this made-for-TV kind of sequel, I guess, is looking for the is a detective movie about looking for the killer it's like it's a detective movie that just happens to be like they're searching for the person who killed this character from another movie in a way that's kind of an inventive idea though. it is it honestly is it's hilarious but that that is an interesting but i mean idea. with a better script with a better script i could see that working though that that the idea of that though mm-hmm I just thought that was because because looking for Mr. Goodbar, that's a way R-rated movie. Oh, my God. Well, okay. what about like what Showtime did in 1996 with the Roger Corman Presents TV series? What it was was basically TV movies, TV movie remakes of a bunch of his public domain AIP material. Is that like uh, when they remade um, uh, Humanoids from the Deep? Yeah, Humanoids from the Deep, A Bucket of Blood, although it was called Death Artist, where you had uh, you had Anthony Michael Hall t- taking Dick Miller's spot, and you know you, you saw them remake the the sea creature and creature from the bottom of the sea and stuff like that, and it was basically TV movie remakes of the old Roger Corman stuff in the form of a TV series called Roger Corman Presents. There was so Roger Corman's Presents though that was Alien Avengers and had George Went in it. Yes, and that had I, Alien Avengers too. It, it, it did have some, it did Alien have a bunch Avengers, of a, though. It had a bunch of original ones too, including one that's very Philip K. Dickish called Suspect Device. You could swear it belongs in the Blade Runner universe. Or that is that when that remake of Piranha came around? The '95 remake, yes, yeah, yeah. yeah the '95 remake was part of Roger Corman Presents, and then they, in a brilliant marketing move, those were also released to direct to video as well mm-hmm. after the fact. So a brilliant marketing move for Showtime. You watch them on Showtime first, and then three months later they're on video. The, the big one of those that got all the attention was the the adaptation of the Vampirella comic mm-hmm. was part of Roger Corman Presents. So to go back to what you're saying about like Lifetime movies clumsily handling topics because they couldn't go for the r rating there was one i watched about a kid addicted to porn but they had to be very specific in not explaining what he did with the porn (laughs) it's completely awkward about he's looking at porn that's all he does is look at porn i'm just looking at it what (laughs) i'm not spanking it in that one he actually was just reading it for the articles (laughs) <laughs> what, was, and what about that one that one with uh where uh, uh ben affleck was like hooked on steroids <laughs> i don't remember the. i remember the one where linda blair was a drunk dude 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 in the 70s dude i i do i remember that one uh dude you've got to at least see the scene uh from um 
I don't know what it's called, but yeah, Ben, just if you go to YouTube and type in Ben Affleck steroids, trust me, it'll come up. <laughs> He's got this awesome ro- roid rage scene where he like that that scene. Um, they kind of mimic that scene on South Park where Jimmy is is hooked on steroids and then just starts like like beating his girlfriend and like his mom and just like destroys the entire room and like puts his whole arm through a wall and stuff like that like it's it's great okay, this the, is young Affleck oh yeah 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 this is uh, this this is before uh this, this is before uh Goodwill Hunting this is Burger King commercial era Ben Affleck yeah mm-hmm. apparently the movie is called a Body to Die For, the Aaron Henry story. Of course, that's what it's <laughs> called. <laughs> well, that's the other thing Lifetime coined. The title, name, name, story. Uh-huh. They always have that. They always have that now. Because, I okay, Lifetime Movie Channel. I find it sad that there's enough Lifetime movies to have an entire channel of that for 24 hours a day. Yeah. Is that sad or is that just the way I look at it? It's that so- is yeah, I guess. I mean, like they are worth it for a laugh, certainly. But what about well, what are, what are you guys' feelings though on the current uh, like sci-fi channel TV movies? Well, okay, th- those I don't even consider them TV movies because those are not made as TV movies. All of those are made direct to video and then edited to be shown on TV first. Beyond Reanimator was a perfect example. I like that was Beyond never Reanimator. meant. Well, no, I'm not, I'm not complaining about the movie. I'm complaining about the fact that they keep calling it a sci-fi channel original, but the movie was completely made, completely edited as a pretty hard R yeah. before sci-fi channel ever got involved. All they did is edit it down and showed it first. They paid for the right to air it first. That's not a TV movie to me. It just is a movie that happens to debut on TV. Debut. To me, there's a difference in the two terms. Yeah, and Asylum's, their deal with sci-fi is a lot like that. They'll make a movie for a uh, DVD release, but they'll air it on sci-fi for its premiere, and then a month or so later, they'll release the DVD. The the current Corman stuff is like that, too. It's made direct to DVD. It just happens sci-fi pays more to air it on Saturday night. And that's not even just asylum i mean uh, i mean they might as well be but <laughs> they might as <laughs> for well for level of quality yes yeah they might as well be asylum movies but um yeah you yeah you'll find that with uh pretty much all of those sci-fi uh original movies really they have the same quality as the asylum movies i'll be the first to admit some of them are fun <laughs> but but yeah even even uh even those which aren't necessarily asylum movies technically Still, get well, and that. I just I just thought of another Showtime one that back where they did those sequels. They actually made a sequel to the Ray Bradbury. It came from outer space. Showtime's it came from outer space too, from like '91 or something. And I think in a way that's that's it's kind of interesting when they when they do that by making a sequel to a you know decades old movie if it's done properly. Birds two not done properly. No, oh, Birds two is terrible. It, it, it came from outer space too was done with respect. Yeah, not so much Birds 2 Land's End. <laughs> Birds 2? Rick Rosenthal, you made Halloween 2. Did you really need Land's End that bad? Well, he also made Halloween Resurrection. <laughs> Touche. <laughs> now, would you count on, like, those after-school special movies, his TV movies? Yeah, but they were they were made for TV. 
Because they would, like, throughout high school, they would show us those. And they're like, yeah, this is kind of old, but it gets the point across. There's one where Val Kilmer uh, gets drunk and runs somebody down in a car. You, you, you got you to gotta admit, those are basically just edited for TV Degrassi episodes from the yeah. 80s, right, Brad? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, but even, like, with what Alex was saying, I mean, even do you count it as a TV movie even when it's, like, not the length of a TV movie? Because you'll see a lot of those after okay, school. TV special then? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like a, like So you'd consider that, like, a TV special? Did you guys ever see one of the funniest ones ever? The Day My Kid Went Punk from 1983? No, is it as is it as good as Rock? It's your decision. No, because this one's actually told as like a real TV movie with real actors and sets and a real director. But it's about the kid falling into the punk rock scene. It's one of the most embarrassingly over sledgehammer message movies ever. Punk rock is bad. That's or awesome. The, I've got it on VHS. <laughs> it's hilarious. The one I liked that watched like three times in school was Stoned with Scott Bayo. <laughs> I don't remember that one. And that one I don't remember. Scott Bayo is introduced to marijuana and he becomes addicted and they really have a... marijuana, you know, that gateway drug. Well, yeah. no, because apparently he takes marijuana and starts hallucinating and trees are talking to him and then he kills his brother. Is this reefer madness? What the hell? <laughs> That's when you know you got some good shit. <laughs> exactly. On that note, we are running out of time, though. I didn't think we'd get a whole show out of this. I'm surprised. Where can we find Brad Jones? You can find me at uh, thecinemasnob.com. Where can we find not Brian Lewis playing not Jared? You mean Suede Alex? Suede Alex. Sure. Geekjuicemedia.com. And you can find me at 1201beyond.com, 1201beyond at gmail.com. You can find me at the same Geek Juice Media. And you can find these shows on Brad Jones' site at thecinemasnob.com. So it's all connected. (laughs) (laughs) Good night.